This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. I've been preparing for this all my life. Here's Porter on hard and taking him to school. What a great play by Jay Shante. KJ Martin climbed Bobon Mountain. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. And you've seen tonight that we, we fought together, we stayed together, and it's about damn time, man. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I am your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Be sure to stay tuned for our Michelob Ultra moment coming up later in the episode. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the brand new Locked on Rockets YouTube channel that the, the YouTube channel is going really, really great. If you're part of our YouTube audience, welcome to the show. If you're part of our returning podcast audience, welcome back. Uh, if you're a new listener, I appreciate you hanging out and checking out the show. If you're a loyal returning listener, thank you for sticking with me for all this time, whether it's a, you know, a week or a month or a year or however long. Sincerely appreciate it. Now, got a handful of topics I want to get to today. I want to kind of touch base on the speculation around the number one overall pick and the possibility of the Rockets trading up there and kind of what some of the kind of what some of the optics look like right now surrounding that number one overall pick and some of the reports that are coming out about the number one overall pick. Also want to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers and what the ACL surgery for Kawhi Leonard means. So obviously Kawhi Leonard's season coming to an end because of the ACL injury. He had a successful surgery. Uh, what that timetable means and what that might mean for a possible John Wall trade to the Clippers, as well as I'm going to talk a little bit about NBA Finals Game 4 in the final segment because that was an incredible game. Look, I know this is a Rockets podcast and there is, you know, still some some hard feelings, some beef between Rockets fans and Giannis Antetokounmpo, but... At the end of the day, I mean, he had an impressive performance in the finals. Chris Middleton uh, and Devin Booker was a supernova. And Chris Paul struggled. And I want to talk about that a little bit in the third segment. But what I do want to focus on right now, right out of the gate, is the kind of rumors and the reports and all the news swirling about the number one overall pick because it seemed kind of a foregone conclusion, right, at the at the offset of receiving the number two overall pick. Okay, cool. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. We're going back and forth, back and forth. And now we're getting legitimate bona fide reports from guys like Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, Sham Sharani of The Athletic, confirming that the Rockets are very much interested in moving up to that number one spot and that they are very interested in Cade Cunningham as a prospect. Now, Something that's been, you know, kind of making the rounds on on the Rockets Twitter sphere the last couple of days and the the Rockets subreddit and just kind of in, in online spaces is this idea that I'm I'm kind of bought into is that the Rockets and Rafael Stone have actually positioned themselves beautifully if they're 
ultimate target is Cade Cunningham right now. Like they very, they very may well be super ecstatic about Jalen Green, right? And if they can't come to terms on a deal with the Pistons, then yeah, they they'll they'll take Jalen Green number two overall and be super content with that. But all the noise coming out, you know, coming out of the Rockets front office and all the noise around the league, all the leaks are basically of the opinion that the Rockets are very, very high on Jalen Green. So they have absolutely cemented the fact in, you know, in, in the eyes of the other front offices, in the eyes of reporters, in the eyes of the media, that they want to take Jalen Green number two overall, more or less. It's been very quiet on the Mobley front. And to me, and to a lot of other people, shout out Prodigy on the Rockets subreddit and, and a few people who have kind of speculated the same on the Rockets Twitter sphere. And again, this is kind of my thought process as well. What that does is it effectively eliminates the Cavs, uh, the Raptors, the Thunder maybe. It, it eliminates a lot of these other teams from potentially trading up to the number one overall pick because if the Pistons are basically between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green as the two guys that they're most interested in in this draft, then the Rockets projecting that they're going to take Jalen Green number two overall basically prevents the Pistons from trading down anywhere past number two, right? Because if they trade down to number three and the Rockets are like, oh, we'll just take Jalen Green number two overall. Cool. That's fine. Cleveland can take Cade number one. And I guess Detroit walks away with Evan Mobley, right? That's kind of the scenario that Detroit finds themselves in is if they truly value Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green or their top two prospects, it doesn't make sense to orchestrate a deal between the Cavaliers or between the, the, the Raptors. It's effectively eliminated the competition and the Rockets have basically cornered the market on potentially trading up to that number one overall pick. So again, just a really great job, I think, by the Rockets front office and Rafael Stone to put themselves in a position where they are the exclusive sole uh, potential buyers of the number one overall pick. And again, I still think it's a really competitive offer. If you're the Pistons to consider picking up another, an additional first round draft pick, you know, be it the 23rd or 24th overall pick, as well as control of your future first back, because let's face it, like, I mean, how competitive do we think a Pistons squad is going to be even in the next couple of years? Do we think they're realistically going to be a playoff team within the next couple of years? Even with the addition of Cade Cunningham, they were one of the three worst teams in the NBA this season. So for them to eliminate the protections on that pick and have it finally convey to the Rockets and then actually be able to trade future firsts again, they have to be a playoff team first. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I just, I kind of don't see that happening at least not in the immediate future. So I do think that there's been so much smoke around this. And again, when you've got big, big name guys like KOC, like Shams, like legitimately reporting that the Rockets have interest in moving up to the number one overall pick, it's legit. And even my, you know, uh, my coworker, Evan Damarell from over at Locked on Cavs has sources that have been kind of confirming that the Rockets are, you know, the Rockets and Cavs are both being very aggressive about trying to move up to the number one overall pick. But again, I think the Rockets have done a really, really good job of positioning themselves in a spot where there it, it makes so little sense for Detroit to even remotely entertain a deal with the Cavs or with the Toronto Raptors or any other team for that matter for the number one overall pick. So I wanted to hammer that out because I think it's a, that's an important note 
to have to just kind of keep in mind as we're approaching the NBA draft, which as you're listening to this, we are two weeks away exactly from the NBA draft. So we are right around the corner. It is fast approaching and soon we will finally have an answer to what actually goes on for the Houston Rockets, whether they keep the number two overall pick, whether they go Jalen Green, maybe they surprise us all and go Evan Mobley. Um, obviously, I'm still kind of in the green gang right now, and I know that the the Mobley mob has kind of dwindled a little bit, and I'm sorry for being a, def- you know, a defector of the Mobley mob, but green gang all the way right now. Um, but we are right around the corner from the NBA draft, and that is going to be a loaded day. But I do want to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers and kind of what that situation might look like regarding a potential John Wall trade. But first, we've got to get our Michelob Ultra moment in here. And my moment is just going to kind of be a general moment, and it's just an appreciation for this NBA season, right? Because at the start of the season, I mean, it feels like it feels like it's been way longer than just one calendar NBA season. But at the offset, we didn't know what was going to happen with the first, you know, the COVID season outside of the bubble. Obviously, we had a lot of, you know, postponed games and shutdowns and players who were quarantined. And it really didn't look like we were going to get a full-blown NBA season, right? It it didn't look like it was going to happen. Everybody thought that the season was going to get shut down at some point. Nobody realistically thought we were going to make it all the way through the regular season and through the playoffs and make it to the finals. And we did. Made it to the finals. We've had an exciting finals matchup between the Suns and Bucks so far, now tied up at two games apiece. And that's brought so much enjoyment and happiness to NBA fans. That has to be my moment is just, again, a, a, an appreciation for what has gone on and what the NBA has been able to put together this season as, as things are getting, you know, kind of reverting back to some semblance of normalcy. Because again, at the end of the day, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. If you're not enjoying yourself, what are we even doing here? So the next time you're catching an NBA Finals game, grab a Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs, 95 galleries. You can enjoy the game a little bit more. And that is your Michelob Ultra moment of this week. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Now, I, <laughs> what we're going to do here is I've come up with a new segment name for John Wall trade ideas, and it's going to be called Where's Waldo, which is a play on Where's Waldo. And it's also grammatically incorrect, which I love. And so that's why I'm rolling with it. So where's Walgo? And in this one, I'm positing that it might make a little bit of sense now, even before, like now, especially given the news of Kawhi Leonard's surgery and the fact that, look, if we're looking at, let's look at a really positive timetable for, you know, an ACL injury recovery, right? Maybe six months or so. Uh, you know, maybe he'll be back at like the midway point of this next season. So that's really optimistic. But given how we know that Kawhi likes to a load manage himself and two, you know, how he's dealt with injuries in the past, I really don't see him like forcing his way back, you know, like rushing the, the timetable on this injury, right? Or this this rehab process, I should say. So the Clippers are kind of in an interesting predicament where 
they need to be competitive. Like, I mean, they 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 can't just sit there and tread water. Yes, you've got Paul George locked down the, for the foreseeable future, but they've got a lot of question marks on their roster. Reggie Jackson, you know, played out of his mind uh, in this postseason run, especially after Kawhi Leonard went down. And so the Clippers, maybe they're able to retain him. They have, I believe, his early bird rights. So they should be able to give him a contract somewhere in that, I don't know, like nine to $10 million range. Um, but is that enough to entice him to stay, right? And then you've got uh, Nicholas Batum, who was a big part of what they did. And they don't have, I mean, they're going to have to dip into their MLE to retain Batum. And that's if he's willing to stay for MLE level money. So the Clippers are kind of in this, you know, scenario where they might be interested in a John Wall to help kind of, I don't know, like buoy the team a little bit, kind of hold the season down next year if Reggie Jackson decides to go elsewhere or if Nicholas Batum decides to depart. I mean, you can't have Paul George taking 45 shots a night, right? Like you need somebody to help kind of anchor that team alongside PG. And I will say Rockets fans are incredibly down on John Wall. And I would just like to make the assertion that I think a motivated John Wall, like playing for a legitimate, you know, contender caliber team, or at least a team with legitimate playoff aspirations. I think a, motivated John Wall can still be a really good contributing member of a team. He's clearly not a number one option anymore, and he wouldn't need to be on the Clippers, even with Kawhi Leonard out. Like, he goes to the Clippers, he becomes the second option behind Paul George, and he becomes a motivated John Wall. Also, hang on. That was weird. Hair. That's what I get for having a cat. Um... So let's, you know, let's pretend for a moment. What does a John Wall trade to the Clippers even remotely look like, right? Well, if you're the Rockets, you probably want back, you know, it's got to be some, in some capacity, it's got to involve Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, probably Serge Ibaka. Um, Although, you know, the Clippers might be a little bit more reluctant to, to move on from Serge, although, you know, he wasn't healthy. So maybe they do move on from him, right? But some combination of those three guys, and you probably also have to throw Luke Kennard in there for salary matching purposes to get all the way up to John Wall's contract value. But then if you're the Rockets, you could also throw in Daniel House Jr. So, you know, if you're the Clippers, you're walking away with John Wall and Daniel House Jr. And you're giving up, you know, your two guards in Rondo and and Patrick Beverly, Uh, Serge Ibaka, who wasn't even a part of the playoff run. You know, sorry, but, you know, injuries are injuries are a thing. And then Luke Kennard. But you're coming away with a really serviceable 3 and D wing in Daniel House Jr. And you're coming away with a guy who can be essentially your second option and kind of help anchor the team moving forward in the absence of Kawhi Leonard with John Wall. A guy who matches the timeline alongside PG-13 and Kawhi Leonard. You know, a guy who's right in that age, you know, age range 30, 31 years old, just like Kawhi and PG. So the more that I talk, the more that I like think about it, and look at it and tr- again i'm trying not to look at it from like a rockets lens right because again i do think that rockets fans are really down on john wall right now and you know obviously it was a brutal season rockets you know went on a 20 game losing streak worst 
uh, worst losing streak in franchise history. And I do think that there was a point where John just kind of like, I think he just mentally checked out at some point, right? Where he just kind of, he just kind of became like tunnel visioned and just was worried about getting his. And look, for a guy that missed playing NBA basketball for two full years to be able to come back and play at the level that he played at this season. You know, I think that we're really underselling what he's going to be able to do with like a legitimate off season where he's able to put in, you know, more work. He knows what his body is capable of. Again, he's going to put in the work this off season, come back. I'm expecting him to have an even better season this upcoming year, right? I'm not expecting him to like regress and get worse. It was his first NBA season back after a two year hiatus. And he wasn't garbage. Like, he was bad in the sense that, like, again, the Rockets were a bad team. It's really tough for him to, you know, facilitate and be a floor general and, like, create good opportunities for other players when the Rockets were just a bad team overall this season. So, and he didn't get to play the role that I think he's best suited for, which, again, is being that kind of floor general combo guard, can create for others, can get his when needed, but to have options to delegate to like a Paul George, right? Yes, he had Christian Wood, but and maybe there's some like maturity there where like, you know, he didn't want to defer to Christian Wood because, you know, Wood's younger than him and wasn't, you know, isn't established. But maybe that dynamic changes a little bit with Paul George. I don't know. But the more that I look at it, the more that a John Wall to the Clippers trade keeps staring me in the face. And there are a couple other trades out there, potentially with the Miami Heat, potentially with the New York Knicks. And you know, maybe there's maybe the Rockets do have to throw in a first round draft pick or something to the to the Clippers to make this trade uh, a little bit more palatable to them. But at the end of the day, for a team that wants to compete and wants to stay relevant, John Wall can be a contributing member of of a team, right? If he wasn't attached to a forty four million dollar price tag, we wouldn't even be having this discussion, right? Like, if John Wall was being paid twenty five million a year or thirty million a year he'd be a pretty solid asset, all things considered, right? But it's because he's on that albatross contract that you're like, oh, it's really hard to stomach and, you know, who's going to trade for him and the Rockets are going to have to give up assets to get rid of him. Might as well just hold on to him and, you know, all that good stuff, right? But if you're the Clippers and if you're in need of somebody to hold down the fort with Paul George until Kawhi Leonard comes back, John Wall might be one of the only options available after certain free agents go away, right? Like if, you know, depending on what happens with Kyle Lowry, you know, other guys on the free agency market, if the Clippers strike out, if they can't make a move for some other impact player, I just don't expect the Clippers to stand pat and just be like, okay, we're good. Because I don't think they're going to be able to bring back Reggie Jackson. I don't think they're going to be able to bring back Nicholas Batum. Because those guys are going to get legitimate offers from other teams. And if they both stay... Then yeah, if the Clippers are able to hold on to both of those guys, then this trade doesn't make sense for the Clippers, right? They can they can stand pat with exactly what they've got right now and just kind of try to tread water with this current squad. Um, but I keep talking myself into a John Wall to the Clippers trade. So that is your Where's Wall Go segment for today. Coming up, I do want to talk about a little bit of you know the finals game four because it was just such an exciting game. And I haven't really talked too much, you know, NBA playoffs on this show. Uh been mostly focused on you know Rockets angles and elements, but 
do want to get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com because look, at the end of the day, why would you want to, you know, be charged up you know, up to 30, 50, or even a hundred percent more for the exact same parts when you can visit rockauto.com and get parts that are like competitively priced, right? They're not more expensive if you're like a DIY guy, which is unfair, right? You know, some places charge you more if you're trying to do stuff yourself, whereas Rock Auto, the prices are always competitively low and their website is super easy to navigate. You can check out rockauto.com. You can find, you know, they've got brake lights, they've got motor oil, they've got brand new carpet, you name it, they probably got it. And, uh, They've got, what else? I mean, I went there, you know, I, I checked out their website the other day and it was just super easy to like sift through, right? Because if you go in person and you're like, oh, well, I've got, I've got, you know, this car, this make, this model. And they're like, oh, we don't even carry those parts. Rockauto.com has all of that. So go check them out. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. We've also got one more message from our friends over at betonline.ag because look, betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sporting action. You've got the NBA Finals maybe going to a Game 7, so still got time to bet on those. MLB going strong. They've also got UFC, MMA, you name it, they've got it over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time to get in on the action. You can do that using promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Reminder that on our road to the finals, which the finals are here, sponsored by Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And we can, of course, enjoy the games a little bit more this season with an ice cold Michelob Ultra in hand. Now, this game, this game four, I mean... First off, it really feels like like even though I came into the series and I was, you know, and I'm still pulling for the Suns, but just as a fan of basketball, this series has been great. Like I feel like these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And this is considering the fact that Giannis, I mean, look, again, we're a Rockets podcast and there's obviously obviously still some, you know, bitter feelings towards Giannis and the whole, you know, stealing an MVP from James Harden deal. I don't want to say it's water under the bridge completely, but I'm also just capable of appreciating like a once in a generation type player. And that's what Giannis is like as fun as it is to clown him for, you know, being seven feet tall, no skill dunks, whatever, like all of that. Right. The dude is great at basketball. He is. And in this game, that block that he had on the Deandre Ayton lob attempt you know, I saw some people on Twitter saying, oh, it wasn't that impressive. I mean, it is. It is impressive because and they, look, shout out Mobley Mob, right? If you're in the Mobley Mob and you're watching that play, you're like pumping your fist in the air. You're like, yeah, because that's the type of like play and read that you're hoping down the line. You're going to be able to see Evan Mobley make potentially for the Houston Rockets because that's such a tough play to make to stunt on the pick and roll the way that he did, to be that close to the ball handler, to turn on a dime and recover in time and then explode off 
you know, off the floor to get up and contest DeAndre Ayton. Maybe the pass was a little over the top of Ayton, but that's a that's a pass that. 99.9% of big men in the NBA are able to catch. It was right over the side of the rim. Aiton maybe mistimed his jump a little bit, maybe. But the fact that Giannis was up there and was able to get a couple fingertips on the ball to block it was just absurd. And then you go on the other side of things, right? It really felt like the Suns were about to go up 3-1 because they were in firm control of this game. They were up nine with, you know, you know what early fourth. And Devin Booker was playing like a man possessed. He went absolutely full-blown supernova. And now we're back to Green Gang. No, but like, I mean, he was unstoppable in that third quarter. And I had this moment, though, where shout out P.J. Tucker, too. Bucks would not have won this game without P.J. Tucker. And I made sure to to talk about this on Locked on NBA because I've said it time and time again on this podcast, but P.J. Tucker makes winning basketball plays. And the Bucs were absolutely dominant on the offensive glass. They had, like, what was it, like 19 second chance points. I don't have the stats pulled up. I should have, but whatever. They had a ton of second chance points, second chance opportunities. And that comes from the fact that they were they were hiding guards, right? Like, you know, Book. Paul, Payne, hiding those guys on P.J. Tucker defensively, which allows P.J. Tucker, you know, he's sitting in the corner, right, ready for wide-open three-point shots. It allows P.J. Tucker to crash the offensive glass heavily. And the play that gave Devin Booker his fifth foul was P.J. Tucker cutting in from the baseline trying to crash the offensive glass. It was a dumb foul by Booker, absolutely. But that doesn't happen without P.J. Tucker's hustle and intensity, and just relentlessness on the offensive glass. So shout out Rockets legend, Rockets fan favorite, P.J. Tucker, um, because he completely changed the flow of that game. Devin Booker having to sit with his fifth foul completely changed the outlook of this game because when he sat and then when he came back in, he was cold, and he did not have it going anymore. You know, he I, he basically he hit the 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 turbo nuclear super button like supernova button one quarter too early, had it ha- or even maybe like half a quarter too early, right? Because if that if that run had like sustained itself, if he had continued that you know, impressive scoring streak where he had eighteen points in the third quarter, if some of that had carried over into the fourth, then I think we're talking about a Suns win and the Suns being up three one instead of series tied two two. And then the other side of things on this one, Chris Paul had a very rough game. Like, it was bad. It was so bad. And credit to Drew Holiday, who absolutely made Chris Paul's life hell. You know, for everything that Drew Holiday, all the grief that Drew Holiday is getting for not delivering offensively, he's holding up his end of the arrangement defensively. And for me, it's like, right, shout out to Kevin Porter Jr. who hung 50 on Drew Holiday's head. Yeah, it was regular season. Yeah, it wasn't the finals. But like Drew Holiday's out here shutting down Chris Paul and KPJ hung a 50 piece on him. So just, you know, put that put that out there in the universe. But yeah, it was a. 
tough watch for Chris Paul. Five turnovers in this game uh, led to, I think the Suns had 17 turnovers on the night to like 24 bucks points. And very uncharacteristic of Chris Paul. He has struggled since the adjustments in game one to have Drew Holiday check him most of the time. And over the course of games two, three, and four now, he's had 15 turnovers over these last three games. And that's the most in a three-game stretch that Chris Paul's had dating all the way back to 2012. So he's struggling. The Bucks scheme is working. And we have ourselves a finals now. The like selfishly, I want this to go seven. I really want a game seven because you know what's going to happen. And this is the part that like not having a horse in the race is like 20% disappointing, 80% like, oh boy, I just get to enjoy good basketball. And you know that Scott Foster is waiting in the wings and is ready to come out. Now, here's the question, right? Is and I'm just like, I'm picturing like Adam Silver, like in a dark room somewhere, like single lamp on a table. Scott Foster walks in and just, just Silver slides him a folder. And he's like, you know, your assignment. <laughs> and so here's the question, right? Does Scott Foster get deployed for game five? And then he sits out game six and then he comes back for a potential game seven. Do they deploy him for just game six in Milwaukee? to potentially make sure that the Bucks win that one or potentially the Suns win that one if the Bucks win one in Phoenix, right? Or do they just do they just chamber him and they don't pull the trigger on Scott Foster until game seven? <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm having PTSD flashbacks. I can't, I hate Scott Foster so much. Oh, I'm going to have a meltdown. Okay, no. So, I mean, again, as as an unbiased observer. I'm still, I I'm still pulling for the Suns. I, I ultimately am, but you have to give credit where credit's due. This bucks team was resilient in game four. You know, they were down nine. It looked like it was about to be all she wrote and they fought and clawed back. And again, just if you appreciate basketball, you got to be able to appreciate both of these teams and how hard they're both fighting and clawing and playing. And, I'm just happy that we have a damn good finals to talk about and to enjoy as basketball fans. So with that, uh, I do want to remind everybody that starting July 19th, uh, we have our Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts, that's me, are going to make selections and trades for your favorite basketball team. So I've already made my selections for the Rockets. So you want to be sure, check that out. Don't miss out on it. Uh, it's a week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the spoots, sports, spoots, can't talk, sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. For today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching, for listening. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, Himalaya, wherever you listen to your podcast, we would sincerely appreciate it. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Rockets. We look forward to having you back here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.